Hey, Cody Birch here. I'm still at an event in San Francisco, which is going really great. And today I've got a special treat for you. I'm interviewing Dr. Carrie Rose. And I first met Carrie at a mastermind about two years ago. And at the time, we had just finished launching our first ever online course. So after a few months, we noticed that nobody was finishing the course. I had finished it, but I had also made it. And nobody else that had bought the course was actually making it all the way through, probably because it was 22 hours long, as I mentioned on the last episode of the podcast. So when we started talking, she was telling me about how people learn, how they consume content, how to actually make content that they want to learn, that they'll complete, and really how she had leveraged different tactics and strategies to increase completion rates of courses uh, which I, I knew was really special, that she re really was on to something. So she's super smart, super friendly, and uh, we've got a great relationship. And uh, she helps people create content that people want to consume and that they will consume and finish. Now, this is really important because if people buy your stuff and they don't consume it, then they don't get a result and then they get frustrated. And what's worse, they attribute that lack of progress back to you. So whether you're making a free PDF or you've written a book or you have a show or you have a course, getting people to consume and get a result from what you put out there into the world is super important. So they'll assign that progress back to you. So listen in to this very special interview I did with my good friend, Dr. Carrie Rose. All right, Dr. Carrie Rose, welcome to the Cody Builds a Business Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Cody. Yeah, so how are you doing today? Uh, amazing as always, yourself? Awesome, awesome. I'm super pumped to have you here on this uh, episode of the Cody Builds a Business show. Super pumped and I uh, just wanted to let you tell the listeners what got you into course learning. Like, Tell us a little bit about your background, what got you into understanding that courses were a pain point for people and so on. Sure, sure. And I, I just, I can't stress enough um, why I do what I do. And truly from the bottom of my heart, I believe that at no other time in human existence have purpose-driven entrepreneurs have an instrument at their disposal to make massive impact on a global scale if they take responsibility for their student success. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful period that we live in. And I really do honestly care about that student success piece. And it goes back to my childhood, Cody. Honestly, I, when I was four, I witnessed something pretty traumatic. Um, we don't need to go into what that was exactly, but it left me with selective mutism. And so for six years of my life, I barely spoke. Not that I couldn't physically speak, but I chose not to for mm. six years. And from the time I was four till 10, and I'm also dyslexic. So I entered fifth grade in Allen Elementary School in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, not knowing how to read. Uh, and I had one teacher, Mrs. D. Taylor, take me from that quiet shell of a human being to the highest standardized test score that school had seen in one year's time. And what I learned from that experience is I learned the power that each one of us has if we care and if we use the right strategies. Um, and that's been something that we've really, um, wrapped, a, <laughs> wrapped our arms around as tight as we can over here. And of course, that's really the focus of everything that we do inside of our business. And I spent about 10 years in public ed trying to be Mrs. Taylor. I had one class of fourth graders that was just, it was an amazing group of children. We actually, we leveled them based on their academic, um, let say their academic testing from the year prior. So the class that I had was the bottom performing um, one seventh of this fourth grade 
you know, group, right? Mm -hmm. And so my class was a couple of students that were exceptional ed. So I taught deaf and hard of hearing. I've taught autistic. I've taught learning disabled. I've taught auditory processing issues, selective mutism, you name it. I've had it. The rest of the class were what were qualified as DNQs, meaning uh, does not qualify. Their IQs were so low that they there wasn't a discrepancy between how they were performing and what the the system thought they should be performing at. And in the state of Florida, just to let you know, we build prisons based on the percentages of or the numbers of low performing third grade students. So you, you, there's direct data <laughs> and the direct data that will put them into the system in the long term. So I was like, okay, these kids need me more than any others. And I took that group of students and I created the greatest learning games that school had ever seen just by, again, same thing, caring and knowing what strategies to use. And I was obsessed with it, but I wanted to do it on such a larger scale. So I'm like, okay, well, let me go get my doctorate. So I'm like, go off to UCF decide I'm going to work for the Department of Education, either the state or federal level, and we shake up the system that way. And a couple of years into my program, I was like, okay, this isn't happening. It's just not, one person can't take all of this on. I want to be happy to do, right? So I'm sitting in a world of beer one night trying to figure out like what I'm going to do with my life and in walk three internet marketers. And they say things that night about like, um, affiliate marketing and SEO and online marketing. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, which is probably where some of your people are, you know, they've just started listening to your podcast. Maybe they hadn't heard that before either. Right. And so I was in that place. Um, but I was very open and very teachable. I was like, okay, show me. And I was really grateful because these gentlemen mentored me and gave me access to online course after online course after online course. And I'm trying to learn online marketing through these courses. But as I'm going through them, I'm thinking, you know, thank God I'm smart and I write fast, hmm. you know, and that was it. Like they weren't being put together in a way that, you know, that people could really learn from, you know. And so over time that became the mission. Like how do we how do we change that? How do we make these courses be something um, that really is impactful? How do, we, how do we change them into something that people actually learn from 100% of the time, or at least 90? You know, I've gone in to do evaluations and seen like, okay, 20% of people can learn from this course. And we're talking about some of the best courses in the space. Yeah. So, you know, we definitely have some room to grow. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's quite the intro. So a couple of notes I took. Thank you for sharing that. Number one, that the yeah. caring plus knowing the strategies to use. It seems like that's something that you've always put a high emphasis on, whether it's online marketing or whether you were actually teaching, you know, kids face-to-face -face in a school that caring and the strategies combined is that a good recipe for success when it comes to teaching anybody anything absolutely well I mean if you don't care you're not going to try let's start with that right yeah. um so let's let's say like if you've got your heart you're going to give it your all but let's say like I really 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 want to build a house and I really care that this house gets built and I really really want it but I have no idea how to do it is the house going to get built Right. You know, right. <laughs> I wouldn't trust me to do it. Um, <laughs> so it's a matter of like, you, you have to know that. And the, what's great is that we have tons of research. Like literally I created a process that's based on over 500 research studies on how the human brain connects to content. And that's what we build all of our online courses through. And it's like, there are tons of studies out there that will not only tell you what's worked once, what's worked twice, but what's worked consistently and over a period of time. We look at those, they're called meta-analysis, but just looking at the effect size from those studies, we can determine what has the greatest strength or power 
as far as a strategy is concerned, because not all things are created equal. Like homework, for instance, you're looking at school studies, homework has a 0.29 effect size, which is basically as effective as nothing. Like they shouldn't yeah. even prescribe homework anymore, yeah. right? <laughs> I know <laughs> me and my kids would, my kids would love that, actually. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I used to teach public ed, I didn't have homework. It was like, okay, go read. <laughs> Are yeah. you reading every night? Okay, there's actual research for that, but there's not research for filling out this worksheet. But we know that with, uh, with children and learning, but we also know that with adults and learning as well. So we know what to do. It's just a matter of doing it. So when you said that the courses that you took as you were diving into learning about online marketing via online courses, you noticed a big gap that there was mm -hmm. ways that they could have been doing things way better. So give us some Give me like uh, let's unpack that a bit. Why why were they hard to consume? Why were you lucky that you could write fast and you kind of understood it? Like where where were they dropping <laughs> yeah, the ball? Was it too fast they? or too technical or too slow or too the videos were too long or where where were? Give me some highlights of where they were really dropping the ball. Oh gosh, sure. Okay, let's start with a few things. So length of videos, right? And, and this is just a note that anybody can take. Um, I was taking courses where every course was a five module course with five lessons each, each module and each lesson was 40 minutes in length. Mm. In the beginning, I noticed that pattern and I was like, why, why, why? I don't understand this. Like, and you know, and now I've even found research that says that um, students fall off and we're talking about online courses. They fall off around the seven minute mark. Right? So if you think about that, we know that consistently, Students are, your online course students are falling off the seven minute mark, but we're creating videos that are 40 minutes in length. What does that say? Right. Right. So that would be one of the things, you know, and we know, I mean, like common sense tells us, you know, we no longer have the attention spans that we used to. Right. But like, if we look at it, maybe they were basing it around the old education model or thought like, oh, my high school classes were like 40, 45 minutes. So, or my college classes were about 40, 45 minutes. So therefore this lesson should be about that. But it, those things had nothing to do with learning and everything to do with logistics and when people needed restroom breaks and what they needed to do in order to switch classes and giving teachers downtime. Like it has nothing to do with actual learning and development. So we need to move into a place that moves into like more understanding of what people actually need to do to learn as opposed to just repeating old patterns of what's been done. The other thing when you say like, thank God I was I'm smart and I write fast, it's more like, there were a lot of notes to take one, yes. But the other thing is online courses as they are now create a great deal of dependence upon the instructor and don't actually offer opportunities for independence on the student. So I come from a Chinese philosophy of education, which is the student will work harder than the teacher. Okay, and the reason for this is you want at the end of it, you want that person that's standing in front of you or on the other side of your screen to have mastered what you're doing, right? Or mastered that task or mastered that, um, that concept, but they can't if you just spill everything for them and expect them to recall things at the end. You have to change the way that they think about it and change the way that they be about it, right? And that takes crafting things in such a way that moves them out of that recall and into a place of, you know, really developing higher, you know, looking at higher order thinking around the topic, right? I call it increasing cognitive rigor, but like, how do you move them from barely thinking about it to stretching them all the way out here without, without breaking them? Um, <laughs> that's the other part. Like you have to do it in, in such a way that doesn't push them too, too far. But, you know, there's more research that suggests 
increasing cognitive rigor than any strategy out there. As far as their power and the effect size, it's the greatest one I've ever seen when it comes to human learning. Hmm. Um, and so it makes sense when you just look at research, right? But also like if somebody spoon feeds you something, are you ever gonna actually get it? You know, I took a branding course for instance, and it was saying like, you should have, you should have a logo and a website and a headshot and social media profiles and all the kind of the basic stuff, right? You should know colors, whatever but it didn't tell me how to think about it. And so I was like, okay, well, as a critical thinking adult, I know that I should probably see what else is out there. So I started looking at other people's websites and then I started comparing and contrasting those websites to each other. And then I started evaluating them from the perspective of the client going through the website. And then I started evaluating, well, who's their target demographic based on this? You know what I mean? So I started breaking things apart just because my brain is overly analytical and that's what I do naturally. Um, but it's our job to, when we're providing courses and providing learning opportunities, so it could be online courses, it could be uh, coaching group coaching calls. It could be your, in your masterminds. It could be from a stage. If you're trying to teach somebody something, it's our responsibility to offer them the opportunity to think analytically without, you know, without just letting them go. You know what I mean? Like really give that and say, here, I'm inviting you to come on this journey with me. I'm inviting you to look at it differently. Yeah. How much of that is due to the, I'm trying to think of how to word this. So you talked about caring in the, in the beginning about you caring as an instructor, but also me as the possible student kind of caring about the result I'm trying to get. So I've noticed as I've gone through, I'm trying to think like maybe 10 online courses. I've mm -hmm. made one for my, my marketing and funnels business. And with all the stuff that all the conversations you and I have had over the years, so trying to keep that in mind, my videos are short. I'm trying to check a lot of those boxes, but I want people who want to go through the course. I want people who want to know about marketing and how, how much of the success of the course, I guess, is what I'm asking is based on the desire that we can either create or acknowledge in the student trying to go through the stuff. Like if they're dying to learn about how to make a course or how to run a Facebook ad campaign or how to you know, do whatever, that's got to play a big effect, right? And, and their ability to finish the course, consume the content, extract that cognitive rigor and things like that you're talking about. There, that's absolutely part of it, but I never want to pass the buck, right? So it, it begins and ends with the instructor. And you can't, there are going to be people that aren't as excited. There are going to be people that buy because they're like, oh, you know, the shiny object syndrome or, or whatever. But we don't base what we do on them. You know, I was uh, reading emails that were basically explaining that I'm on somebody's email list, we'll like nameless here, but basically saying that, you know, course consumers are like those people that buy treadmills in the beginning of the year. And then by February, you're like throwing laundry on it and stuff. It's like, you're not actually working out anymore, right. you know? And so online courses are kind of like that for some. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's great. I understand it. But that, that puts all the blame and all of the emphasis on the student. And that's not fair. <laughs> you know, I like to look at, at, at it as these are guests in my Italian restaurant. Um, and if they leave without getting a full belly and have enjoyed their meal and the right glass of wine to go with it, um, I'm going to start wondering what's going on. You know, are they taking the doggy bags home? Are they throwing things out? Are they leaving bad Yelp reviews? Where, what's going on with it? Yeah. And we haven't really touched on it yet, but I know that, um, I know that we probably get to it. So might as well now, uh, yeah. you know, and, and online courses, we have about a three to 5% completion rate in, what is now a $255 billion industry up from 107 a couple of years prior, 
you know, it's like booming and our students are still not getting the success that they need across the board, but we can't put it on them. And that's where I think it's like, it's a dangerous line. Cause I know you weren't saying anything like that. You were saying like, I'm excited and that's great. And there are people that are like that and they're going to be fabulous, but we can't just go, well, the excited ones are going to get it. And the ones that aren't excited aren't going to get it. And that's their, that's their fault. It doesn't right. like really work like that. You know, so if you're only wanting those that are absolutely excited, which is possible too, you know, you're going to have to do a lot of work on the front end leading into the course to make sure that they're, they've really been vetted to be the ones going in. And a lot of people that are looking at online courses are looking at them more as a, a passive income stream. So if you're looking at that, there would be a lot of automation involved <laughs> leading into it to make sure that that's actually a thing. And most people haven't done that work in the, in the front end. I'll say that much. Yeah. And that's kind of what I meant. It, it, and the way, like if I could get people to believe this big domino that uh, sales funnel will change their life, right? If that's the yeah. thing, I was, that's, that's a, my position of what my online course would be about, which it isn't necessarily, but if they could really believe that on the front end via a webinar or a phone call with me or some kind of pre-enrollment video and then go, mm -hmm. yes, this is it. This, this vehicle might help me create the life that I need. This thing that I don't know, but I, I want to know will help me build this new future that I'm trying to create. Okay. Oh wait, he's got a course. Awesome. I'm going to buy the course. And since I want the thing so bad because the future me that the future picture of my life that they painted was so clear and vivid. And I really want that so badly. So I'm more thinking as a marketer, which is where I kind of live as on the front end. How do we get them right. excited about wanting to learn? And the courses that I haven't finished, I got cause they were cheap and they were like a black Friday deal. And I liked the thought leader or the teacher and thought, well, yeah, I'm sure that they're, you know, he or she has some good content. It's, it's 90% off today. So I bought it and then I've never even logged in. I don't even know how to log in. Right. But the courses that I knew that that skill set would change my business or my life or my relationships, I was all in. So it was just making me wonder how much time we need to spend pre, I don't know, pre-framing the subject matter in our courses to get them pumped about it. And I totally like what you say about not passing the buck. Yeah. It's student's fault. I get that too. But Talk about that for a minute. Is there any, like, how do we get people excited to want to know the stuff and, or is excitement not even a factor? And I'm just totally missing. <laughs> Excitement's always a factor, right? I mean, excitement's always a, a part of it. Um, there's definitely that front end game, right? There's definitely that moving them from the, um, from the oblivious into that stage of like, I don't even know if I have a thing. So I've, I've heard uh, Greg Hickman kind of describe this as like, I'm, you know, I have a back pain, ow, right? Um, <laughs> like this is the oblivious stage. Right. And then moving into the afflicted stage, I have back pain, I know it's sciatica, I know you've got, you know, or, or there's a way to, to fix it, but I'm not sure what it is. To the informed of, I know, I know it's sciatica. I know who you are. I know you have the thing. Now I'm informed and I'm ready to purchase. And a lot of the ways that we get people to purchase, they're still oblivious and they're purchasing anyways. Um, it just like, oh, you can take care of the owie. Okay. The owie's gone. Okay. I'll, I'll pay you money now. Um, so how do we get them? Is building yourself up as that credible thought leader as well? Like, do they have faith in you? You know, and have you reminded them inside of your course why they should listen to you about it? You know, do you have a powerful story that they can connect to? Um, do you have credentials that they can believe in? Um, and that may or may not matter to some people, but 
you know, are, do they trust that you're 100% the person to learn from that can help them with this? And that is not just in the pre-purchasing, that is after they've purchased as well. That's throughout the course. That's how you handle all of your messaging and your marketing that goes with it um, inside of the course as well. Also keeping into effect that, or into effect, into account that people learn with different areas of their brain. Um, so there are people that are, are why people that have to know why we're doing this. Um, if it, and it's almost like your inner three-year-olds, right? But there's about a quarter of the population that lives in why. And if you don't answer why for everything, they've tuned out. I've, I'm a why. I've sat through entire eight-hour days um, and not recalled a thing um, just because they never answered why. I had no idea why I was there. Um, and so now I just tend to leave events if that's going on. But um, back when I was younger, I'd stay hoping eventually I'd know why I was there and, and get it. But if you don't answer why in an online course, 25% of your audience is going to close out that window real quick. Um, so inside of that, looking at, I look at whys in three different ways. And this isn't based in research. This comes from Aristotle's um, method for persuasion. And he goes into ethos, pathos, and logos. So anytime, any video, when you're getting started with your content before you lead into the lesson, before you lead into the module, before you lead into the course, go through ethos, pathos, and logos. And ethos is like, why is this the right thing to do? Like, in, in my perspective, as I'm giving you this information, Cody, I believe you should start with why, because <laughs> 25, well, this is more logos, is 25% of the people are going to lose it. But I believe you should start with why, because I think you should hit everybody where they're at. I think it's the right thing to do. I think that if you know that people learn differently, it's the right thing to do is to give them what they need, where they need it, when they need it. Um, so that's my ethos. My logos, again, would, my logos is a statistical reasoning or mathematical reasoning behind, you know, behind my why. So like I said, why I think you should do this, you know, only about 25 or 25% of the population are right here in that why section. So if you don't have a why for them, they're out. There's my logos. Now I've convinced you with that, right? And a pathos, we'll think about a time when, um, you were told to do something, but you didn't understand the reasoning behind it, how did that make you feel? Okay, so more concentrating on your feelings around the thing um, and, and how you're connecting to that heart space. And that one's harder for me because I'm logos. Um, <laughs> logos don't really get with pathos too much, but a lot of people are in that, in that heart space. And you have to acknowledge that as well. Every, every course, every lesson, every time, making sure that everybody has what they need, you know, I mean, like that, that's only how you reach 25%, right? There's still 75% more that you need to hit throughout your lesson in different various ways, but just start with that. And that's that continuing, you're continuing to sell them on it, you know? And there's, there's other ways to continue. So I feel like I'm rambling. Am I rambling? We're going on too much. Or <laughs> no, it's good. I can and give I, you more on, no, it's good. So and like. <laughs> something really, really powerful, something really powerful that you said is that every lesson, every course, every module, every video that's going to be seven minutes or less, if you're listening, should in, uh, embody some of those things. And that's where I think it's pretty easy to see where people go wrong. Number one, if their videos, let's say they are, they make like, they hear Dr. Rose says seven minutes or less. And so they make a six minute video, but it's all logos or whatever. And then every video after that is all logos and they just miss it because it's techno babble, it's numbers, it's statistics, it's recall. It's not at any kind of why or the meaning behind it. And so that's, that's a really powerful thing to keep in mind. And that I would, I would guess that that's also true for 
anything else, again, I think on the front end of marketing so much, any kind of Facebook ad I write or any email that I write or blog post I write or Facebook live that I do or tell my clients to do should embody those same things because it hits people in different ways and you never know exactly what it is. Where for me, I, I'm also not very high on the pathos side. So if I, it was all pathos all the time, I would check out if there was never any of the other elements of that in their marketing. Is that kind of true that in all of our communication and all of our marketing, all of our things that we do should have those three different things? Absolutely. Yeah. If it's pathos, I'm out too. Um, <laughs> if it's all that. So I think that's why you and I get along so well, Cody. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. And I actually, when we were up at the Broadmoor together, I had a conversation with Jennifer Hootie about this because she brought it up to me that she uses ethos, pathos, and logos in all of her copy before I even brought it up that I use it in all of our courses. Yeah. You know, but it's definitely something to to consider because like you're looking at you're looking at persuasion, really, and all of it is you're trying to persuade them to be a, you know to be the best version of themselves. You're trying to persuade them to have the outcome that they desire. You're trying to persuade them to stay with you on the journey. You know, and I'm hoping that when people are building courses, I know some people are building one-off courses and it makes sense for them. But if you're building a if you're building a funnel, right? If you're building a business, right. if you're building a course as a part of that business, I'm hoping that you're offering them so much value that they are staying with you on the other side as well, right? And so and and I said add value, and I hate when people just say add value because I think there's a lot of like add value, add value, add value, but nobody really says like what that is. So if you're listening right. to that, add value is solve the problem, right? So whatever their problem is, is that you promise that you're going to solve. Of you solve the problem and then you give them the next thing <laughs> to help them solve their next problem. So if you can look at your business and your customer journey path in terms of logical steps, problems that need to be solved for them, you can build out your whole business structure just around that. But you've got to keep them with you on that and they have to know that they can trust you with it. Yeah. So let's, let's transition a bit. As you talked about some interesting numbers and the numbers always stand out to me that you said a $255 billion industry, and I'm sure every day it, it's growing every day. Right. Uh, but, but with a super low completion rate, it makes me wonder if anybody listening is thinking, well, number one, did I miss the boat? Like if the industry is that big, should I even spend any effort getting into it? Number two is of course, even the right thing. If the completion rates are so low, then why waste my time? What do you think about that? I understand. I've had clients get up to 96% completion rates. Yeah. So I'll say that like the average is this and what's possible is on the other side of the spectrum. So, um, you know, it's completely possible <laughs> for you to do much better than average. Um, it, it's definitely something where there's, there's still money to be made a hundred percent inside of the industry. It's not like, Oh no, I've hit the, the end of it. The end, it's not expanding anymore. So 255 and we're capped, we're done. Um, it's not like that, <laughs> you know, and it's not an, an MLM where you need to get in early. Okay. So there's definitely still room for you inside of the space. It's just more of a matter of, is it the right time for you? In, inside of that space, right? And, and just to say also, you know, I have talked to people that were, I've talked to somebody that had a $100 million course business with a 3.9% completion rate. So on average in, inside of their courses. So what that tells me is a couple of things. It tells me that they did amazing marketing to get them in. Yeah. And it, it tells me that there was a lot of room to keep them and that they could have done a lot more on the back end had they not had that low of a completion rate, 
right? Um, and that business is being actually sold. So it didn't make sense for us to continue the dialogue after that. But, you know, it is definitely possible to come into the space to build up an online course business. It is definitely still possible to make money with it. But I think that, and I think that's something that you and I have talked about a little bit. The caveat to that is old models don't work that well. You know, um, some of the set it and forget it doesn't work that well. Um, some of what I was seeing when I first got into the industry, when I was saying like, oh gosh, thank God I'm smart and write fast. These courses aren't that great. What's going on? Those don't work well, right? They're, they're not that that 40 minute video that not actually instructing that just talking and teaching, teaching I'm using air quotes over here. You can't see me. Um, but just, I'm, I'm telling you these things. So therefore it's your responsibility. You go learn. Um, that doesn't work. It doesn't work for anybody. It never really did. So these kinds of things we need to stay steer away from. But as far as have you missed the boat? Um, is it impossible for you to build an online course business? No, that's not actually true. Yeah. Um, but we need to shift that we're doing things into a place of actual service. So what's the, what's the, let's talk a little bit about how people can use a course as part of their overall business strategy. So for me, I have the red anchor marketing consulting agency and it's implementation work around Facebook ads and funnels. What I tried to do is take my intellectual property of how I run ad campaigns and funnel campaigns. And I put that into a course that I can uh, use to pre-frame customers I work with saying, welcome to the company. Here's how we do things around here. Go through the course. My entire course content is just over three hours long. It's not super long. I haven't quite done that yet being fully transparent, um, but it's, it, it's, a, it's an opportunity I could exploit. The other thing I thought would happen that I haven't quite cracked the, the egg on yet is how to use the course as a front end to attract a certain type of person into my business to hopefully go through the content and say, I like this guy. I like what he believes. I like how he teaches. I like how he talks. I like how he thinks I want to align with him. And I actually want him to run my marketing for me. I want to hire him directly. So again, I haven't just nailed that. Like it's not just happening like clockwork and I wake up every day to a flood of new customers and new leads for the agency, but that's how I'm kind of positioning. Talk for a minute about models that people have used to like, or is a course is it, I guess some people might just have a course business and that's it. But how do people leverage courses to do other things in their business? Talk about that for a minute, different models that you've seen. Sure. I definitely know people that just have a course and that's it. And all they do is run ad traffic. So their job is running ad traffic to the course and that's the end of it. Um, and it's worked well for them. I've been watching them for about four years and following their success with it. Um, at least my personal close friends that do that. Um, when we're looking at what you're saying, I think for me, it's, it's really important to make sure that whoever your target demographic is for the course is the same target demographic for the back end, or that may not quite work, right? right. So for my business personally, um, my one-on-one clients won't buy courses. It's a whole different segmentation. So, cause when I work with people one-on-one, like I've worked with uh, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert. Um, he speaks on stage about like 300 days out of the year or something crazy. So he's super busy, um, really high end, best-selling, you know, author, New York times, that sort of thing. Um, when you're working with somebody like that, they're not going to go through your course. Right? right. So I think for, for the question that you have, like, is this, is that something that could work? I think it just depends. Like who is your client and will they take a course? Right. And then there's other ways to structure it. Like I know um, Chris Smith from the Campfire Effect is great about this. His course leads into his workshop. 
So you could buy it separately now. I think after we restructured it, I believe you can buy it separately or he's going to have that option. But then it leads into the workshop. Like they have to have taken the course in order to be able to do the workshop, right? right. So that's another way to do it. Um, and that can be it too. Like if you've got something where you're trying to do a done with you service, but they need to understand a few things, like that may be a different course, right? So in order for us to do the done with you service, you have to understand these five components going into this are going to be a little bit lost. Let me go ahead and get you this material as well. So it could be that so that it's, you know, an add on to that. Um, usually what I find works best when you've got a course leading to a backend offer is that the offer is handling a different problem or going deeper on the problem. So not necessarily a service-based thing. So, but if you're leading to masterminds or coaching or other, or other courses on the backend, so it's more of a, uh, not a bolt on or not a replacement, but like this is something else entirely, you know? Um, because the, the online course will take you so far, you know, but especially like if you're in that personal development space, so your online course training material is either going to be like a, a trade kind of thing, like um, canning tomatoes, right? That, that would be something like it's a specific, you've got to be able to do this this way, um, or it's going to be a personal development or a professional development. So the, the personal development courses, they can only go so far. And then after that, you're going to have to go deeper with that person one-on-one -on -one in order to really make some major shifts with them and not to say you can't do it in a course but there are other opportunities past that but as far as for for you Cody I mean the next thing would be um workshops and events yeah. you know outside of it or at yeah. least I think that's where I'm <laughs> <laughs> well I I, I want to get your opinion too we we talked yeah. about my my ability my permission to be self-serving on this interview so yes I'm gonna <laughs> It's better one, that way. <laughs> one one thing I'm seeing, and I have a, a new model here that I wanted to show you, and maybe that's two separate questions. I'll save that for a second. But one thing I'm seeing is what's being uh, talked about, like a hybrid model. So you talked about Chris Smith and his workshop. That's kind of a hybrid model. Mm -hmm. There's uh, thought leaders like Russ Rafino. He has a hybrid model, kind of a group coaching program. And Sam Ovens was one of the my favorite courses ever I went through. I went through every minute, every worksheet, something about that just hit me at the right spot at the right time. It's about a, mm -hmm. I think it was a $2,000 course and I really liked it. Well, he has a group coaching model too, not via that course, but the next thing he wants you to buy is his, I'm guessing it's like eight to 10 K or something like that after you go through the course. Um, but this hybrid model has the course content and then it has a coaching element where maybe you have office hours, AMAs or ask me anything, um, a Facebook group, et cetera, to go through the course. Is that, is, uh, my question is where is it, where a course is heading? Are you seeing that? Like I'm seeing that. I know I live in my little bubble of my internet marketing world that I live in. Does that help with completion rates and, and what are you seeing as models, you know, going forward? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a possibility, right? I mean, anytime you add any accountability track, it's going to increase your course completion rates. There's still preliminary data on this. So basically right now in the area of course completion and what factors increase completion there aren't that many statistical analysis. There aren't that many hardcore studies out there. Thinkific did a preliminary study and found that um, adding an accountability component will triple that, will triple your completion rate. Hmm. So 
that's still, that's more like, or do they have an accountability partner? Are there required office hours? Is somebody going to call them? Are certain tasks unlocked after they complete X, right? Like, you know, there are certain things that can add to it in the way that you're discussing. And I think also it depends on your audience, right? So the stuff that you're seeing and the stuff that I'm seeing are pretty similar, but we're their target demographic, okay, right? So we're already in that um, agency, thought leader kind of space. We're already authors. You already have courses. This is like the next layer, right, to it. So that's where we're being kind of funneled too, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that somebody that's getting started and creating their first course, that this is where they want to go. Okay. I mean, it, it depends on what the content is. Um, will it help? Yes. But the, the thing that you have to look at is, does it fit these three factors? Does it fit you, your audience and your content? And whatever choice you're making about your course, it's got to fit those three things. And if it does, then it's a yes. And if it doesn't, then it's a no. Um, and so for some people that are looking at doing this, they might be looking at taking, you know, or starting out with their very first course, they may not have time for office hours, you know, or they might just be trying to test the passive income model out. Right. And so for them, it might be a good idea to just try it you know, um, without adding that in and then seeing how it does and then testing and tweaking, you know, like, okay, well, I didn't get the results I wanted to on this one. Let me go ahead and add some factors in and then test it again, launch it again, and then see what kind of results you have. So, you know, for me, actually, we pulled out our coaching from our course. We had sold it with coaching initially. um, And what it was, was I thought when I put my course out, it might be too advanced. That was my initial thought, which is weird because I sold it. I sold the process over and over and over again, one-on-one to people and they always got it. Yeah. But, and then I created it. Um, cause, uh, do you know, Anthony trucks, did yeah. you meet him? So trucks and I, I worked on trucks, course, and then I was speaking at his event and he's like, you're going to have to sell from stage. When's your course can be ready. I'm like, by then. So it's <laughs> like, get it done. So, I had to have it ready, but I was like, maybe this is too advanced. Like that was my thought. I'm like, okay, let me add in coaching and see what kind of questions come up. So I'm still kind of with them, but not doing the one-on-one with them anymore. And I did. And what I found was over and over and over the questions that came up were related to course sales and not course creation. And the course that I created was all on course creation. So they didn't have questions on my content. In fact, I was hearing from people that was making it a lot faster for them to create their course, right? So I'm getting really good feedback, but then all the questions and all the time that was being, you know, used by my students was in course sales. And I'm like, that's not my area, you know? So I'm more like using that to make referrals and okay, we'll post this in the group and I'll tag people. It wasn't the best use of my time. So when we found that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to remove me from it. I'm going to drop my course price and make it more accessible for people that are starting out. You know, so you can, it can go both ways. Like you could start out without it and you could start out with it. And just what I would say is test and wait for feedback. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's something I say a lot on the podcast or any of my ad clients or private clients to say there is no, there's no should. There's a place we should start. And then we, right. I, don't, I don't know where we're going to end up, but let's start, you know, of these three options, which seems like the most natural for you. Like you said, given your, uh, I'm rewording it, but giving your skill set, your level of desire, your availability, you, et cetera, um, mm-hmm. to be able to help people complete the content or whatever your end goal actually is. Um, I, 
I, uh, I wanted something interesting happened. I was listening to Seth Godin's podcast, Akimbo. It's amazing. You should all check out his podcast. That's like 20 minutes of his musings on something crazy. And it's so awesome. And then he said that he's doing a workshop called the bootstrappers workshop and the website's the bootstrappers workshop.com. I don't know if the URL will still be live when I, when you hear this, this episode, but I went to it and I saw, I don't know if I'd call it a course. I don't know what I would call it. Well, number one, he would call us I think you, you too, Carrie. I think you'd call us bootstrappers. Uh, and I'll speak for myself. I'm not, uh, I'm not an employee. I own my own company, but I don't have like 30 employees. Like I'm not this huge, you know, company. I'm just, I'm not a freelancer. I'm like a step above that. Not that a freelancer is bad, but I'm not like on Fiverr or Craigslist trying to get gigs. Right. I have like a steady, you know, amount of work. So he called us bootstrapper. So the bootstrappers uh, workshop, I've got the website pulled up here and it's a 10, video lesson workshop over 21 days, Q and A to guide your thinking, support from trained coaches, 24 seven discussion board, which might be you know, a Facebook group, peer network, which might be a Facebook group, access on mobile and desktop. Okay, cool, it's 2018, that's, you know, that's probably pretty standard. And then a Q and A with Seth Godin, and that's all it says. I don't know if it's weekly Q and A, one-time Q and A, is it asymmetrical, right? Where I type in my questions, he answers them later. But I looked at this, and at the time of this, me looking at this website, it is 345 bucks. And I'm thinking a hundred day workshop via video lessons and some Q and A and some peer stuff from one of the best marketing minds, you know, ever is amazing. Now, would I call this a course? Well, that's just kind of semantics, but this is a really interesting model to me. And he, like, I probably can't price my course at only 345, but he might get, you know, 10,000 people to go through this and, and, and make a, a ton of money. He has such a big, um, audience or whatever big reach mm-hmm. uh, this is the, i kind of sprung this on you but like what are your thoughts about things like this you know it's it's probably pre-recorded so it feels like a course he shot the videos ahead of time i'm sure a little bit of q a he has coaches right like that have, and for me i'm considering doing alumni that have gone through my content that might be able it's in some future date to teach or coach or hold new people accountable to my content um have you seen stuff like this? Have you seen it work? Have you seen this totally flop? Is Seth a genius? Is Seth a moron? <laughs> what do you? Oh my gosh! No, I would a sign up. Let's start with that. Seth's yeah. a total genius. Um, I've heard people that have gone through his. I think it's called the Alt MBA program. Yep. And just absolutely mind blowing kind of material. Um, no, he is. He is absolutely genius. And yeah, everything that you're talking about, it sounds like to me that's a course. You know, like, and I think like you're saying, it's all semantics. I kind of lump things in. If it's an online education program, I say it's a course because nobody's saying online education program. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. So we want to have a language and a dialogue where people can relate to it. But even if you're adding coaching hours, it's still a course. If it's not just coaching, you know, when you add those other things to me, it's a course. When you add those other things to me, it's better instruction. Yeah. Right. It's like, how do, we, how do we make this better for people so that they have a higher degree of access so that they can, you know, get the kind of feedback that they need so that they can move into the space that they need to be in, you know? And when you create something like that, that's beautiful. But also when you create something like that, you are going to have to be concerned about or concerned about. You're going to have to examine your price points and examine what kind of price you're going to need to raise it to in order to make sure that you can offer those other things and is your audience the kind of audience that's going to be able to pay that price point right for that is that does that solve that level of price points problem right (laughs) the other part there so yeah no i absolutely everything you're saying i'm like yeah go seth um (laughs) 
that and everybody go sign up. Yeah, um, but <laughs> like, you know, is that where we're leading? I think that's where um, some of, I would say the more advanced creators are leading right now. And I think that's where others are going to follow. But I don't think that there's anything wrong with a course that is just a course, you know? Right depends on what the content is. It depends on what your audience needs and it depends on what you're available to do. So what would you say to people who are considering they're listening to this or they've been thinking about a course and you and I, before we hit record, we were joking about my wife, Christy, who everybody knows on the podcast is an event planner. She has an event coordination business and it's all high touch boutique one-on-one. And so her and I have brainstormed ideas of uh, or actually mainly just me brainstorming ideas about how she could make a course either for the thought leader to say, Hey, here's how to host your own two day event in an overly automated world. This is a great way to get face to face with your customers. You can typically charge more, et cetera. So here's how to do it. And honestly, like a lot of people would put um, an, an, an assistant or somebody on their team in charge of going through that course content, or mm-hmm. she could teach people like her, a stay at home mom, uh, a, you know, a female entrepreneur who would want enough to just be female, obviously, but she has a lot of passion for helping call women forth out of this lie that they have to either, you know, do dishes all day and do housework or, you know, go work at a meaningless job or something like that, right? Where they can say, no, you can actually make a difference in the world. And her vehicle that she does is, is, is through that. So it's through uh, event coordination. So mm-hmm. I'm telling her all this stuff. She's like, oh my gosh, what would I even say? And so I would guess you have encountered a lot of people like that, that don't even know, they don't believe in themselves or don't believe in their content or don't believe that they even have a course in them or a book in them, right? These are all just kind of vehicles or a funnel in them. What do you tell those people who they're good at something? We all are. We're all amazing at, 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 a, at a thing, whether it's my, my mom that makes the best banana bread you've ever had in your life. She can make a course on how to make the best banana bread you ever had in your life. My dad can, <laughs> he can make a course around how to be a, an ethical police chief in this new world we're all living in. You know, It's in them. How, how do you get it out of them? Well, sure. I think that's, that's the thing is getting to that point of belief, right? And so I've been listening to the most beautiful book lately, honestly, Cody, I would say get this for get this for Christy, um, called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, okay. um, and it talks about the creative process and it talks about um, basically the, where things kind of came from. And she said, or in in Roman times, um, they used to say that they had something kind of like a house elf from Harry Potter. Right. And so inside of this, that that house elf would be responsible for all the creative ideas. So if you did something out in the world, right, and you put it out in the world, then it was super successful. Your ego wouldn't inflate because it wasn't you. It was your house elf. Right. But if you did something and it totally flopped, um, then you, uh, you know, you're like, oh, well, it was also my house elf. So the, the responsibility of it and the pressure of it kind of went off. But the house elf was named their genius. And so when, when she said that story inside of this book, I was like, wow, that is absolutely so beautiful. Because if you think of all of the pressure that we put on ourselves to have that genius or to be that creative or to put things out there, and, and instead we could just step away and go, I'm just going to try it. You know, I mean, maybe not, it's not our house elf, but maybe we just try <laughs> instead, and instead of worrying about everything else. There are some people that that think that they don't have necessarily a topic that would be something that other people would buy. 
Um, and for that, I would say you'd have to do some market research. And I definitely, I have a training all on how to conduct proper market research so that you can figure out if your course is going to sell. And that's something you'd want to look into. But there usually are ways to tweak a course to make it something that other people will sell by doing market research. Like it's not like the idea doesn't work. It's just like how do you make it something that fits and something that would sell. But if you know you have a skill and you're feeling the calling to put something out, I would say you do it. You know, if you're afraid of spending too much money before you get started, I'd say put up a landing page and see if anybody buys before you create it. You know, like there are ways to test the idea and to test the theory. But for someone like Christy, who's been doing this and is honestly, I've firsthand experienced her, um, was it after I got off stage? I got off stage at one event and I was like practically shaking and I had a microphone on and she came and just took such beautiful care of me and got it off of me Um, and was just so present with me and everything. I was like, wow, this is like an angel sitting in front of me right now. Um, So this woman... She's on some next level thing and she should already have it out as far as I'm concerned because I think that what we are seeing in the online marketing space is like leaning towards from online marketing to offline marketing. We just were talking about it or or to offline, you know, like we're just talking about those workshops as a component, right, of your business. And she has a fabulous ability to put them together and has put them together for the A-listers in our space, right? Um, So she knows better than anybody, what they're doing to not just create an event, but to create that experience for them. Right. Right. Um, So for her, I'd say you need to, I hope she's listening. You need to, you need to now. Um, (laughs) Yeah. We're chipping away at her. I think we're making, I think we're making progress. And really for anybody who, I mean, I just went through this with this book. I I had this idea for this one hour funnel about a year ago, just the notion like, well, what if that's kind of a catchy way to explain online marketing quickly to get people to get out of their own way and to get their first funnel or the next funnel up quickly. I thought, well, what would that be like? Like, I like those three words. I got them trademarked. I, 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 it took me a while to say, well, is it a course? And from my experience was, I haven't talked much about this on the podcast, but I did a free beta group. Now I wish I had charged for it, even if it was 50 bucks or a hundred bucks, because people would have been more bought in. I find that when I get things for cheaper for free, I'm just, I don't show up. I'm not very present, but when they're very expensive, I'm incredibly present. So I should have made it very expensive in hindsight just to go through the beta group, which is what you just kind of touched on about pre-selling your content. And then I had about 40 people sign up. I had about 20 people go through it. I had about of the 20, about 12 were hyper engaged. We did weekly calls for me to brainstorm my content, ask questions, teach it. And at some go like, well, that stunk. Like you said, the Italian restaurant, like, hey, they're scraping the Brussels sprouts into the trash. Like nobody liked that part. Like that wasn't yeah. helpful. Um, and then I made the course and I shot it and then I started to sell it and make it available to people after that. So that was my evolution of that stuff. But then, and then somebody, Dean Jackson said, you need to write a book. Like that would make a great book. Like it doesn't have to be a long book, this 500 page, you know, multi-volume set, but you need to be able to put that in a way that some people would rather consume a physical tactile book. It's like, okay, great. So I just did that and it got released in the last few days. So now I have this course. Now I have this book and because I felt a calling to do it and I was afraid of what to do and how to do it. But then I met people like you and people like Dr. Zeno, a mutual friend. I'll have him on the show sometime to, to kind of believe in myself and get out of my own way and get that out there. So to anybody listening, that's, that's thinking about starting something or thinking about packaging their intellectual property or what they know or their expertise, whether it's banana bread or a, a, a multi-day high-end, you know, live experience or anything in between, to to go for it, you know, to leverage 
resources like Dr. Carrie Rose has put together. I'll put a link to her website in the show notes. Um, and you, you mentioned you had a video and a training. That's one of those, is that one of your free courses you have on your website that people can yeah, go Yeah, so we have, two, we have two free trainings, but the first one that they should start with if they're still in that place of, I don't know if I should create a course, is the why you haven't yet. Why haven't I created my course yet? Um, and that is available on the website. And I'll give you the specific link for that as well. Cool. Um, but that would really help them kind of get out of that place and into actual action because I promise you all of the feelings that you're having like if you're like going back and forth about it they're the same feelings that everybody that comes to me has no matter where they are in their business no matter how much success they've had they all kind of start in the same place um, and so that training series is really powerful and for that awesome that's great yeah so that'll be a great place for people to get started on courses then that'll get you into Carrie's world on her on everything she knows about courses um, well, Carrie, I want to wrap up with this. I've got a lightning round of questions that I want to fire at you in rapid succession. And, uh, and I'd like to get your answers on these. So you ready for the lightning round? I am. Hit me. Okay. What is, the, <laughs> what is your favorite course that you've ever taken? Oh, gosh, that I've ever taken? Oh, wow. Probably... See, I haven't taken a course that I haven't been a part of building or working on in so long, Cody. <laughs> I'd probably say um, Kate Buck Jr.'s uh, Social Media Pro. It was way, way back in the day when I took it, but I still have a binder full of material on how to do social media like in my uh, workstation over there. Um, <laughs> I'm nodding my head like they can see it. <laughs> Awesome. But it was Good. super thorough, like all the checklists and everything. It was the most thorough I'd seen. I went through a course and they get, gave me a workbook and I, I, I keep it by my desk uh, mm -hmm. to reference. I was like, you do the same thing, but that course made a big impact on you there. Mm -hmm. uh, awesome. What You mentioned one book earlier. I'll put the link to uh, Big Magic in the show notes as well. But other mm -hmm. than that, what's your favorite or the best business book you've read in the last year or so? Business book. I'm all on the spiritual, like I love the alchemist and big magic is great. Um, <laughs> business book that I've read in the last year. We, uh, we can go with that stuff too. Like I've read yeah. the alchemist, but, but in, I guess anything that's inspired you because that stuff helps in your business too. It's about mindset. It's about attitude. It's about believing in yourself. So Oh, what, sure. What other books come to mind that you think would help people on the sure. show? Sure. Um, gosh, things that I've loved. Um, that Big Magic was definitely a, a Brene Brown's um, Rising Strong um, will help you through any kind of emotional hurdle you ever face. It is so powerful and such a beautiful book. Um, so I would recommend that just for the process of being human, not necessarily having a business, but you've all seen the diagram, what having a business looks like throughout your day. Like the arrow goes up and then it crashes down and then it goes up and yeah, rising strong is good no matter what. <laughs> awesome. That's great. I'll put that in the show notes as well. And yes. then last, last question, the lightning round is if you could go back 10 years ago and tell your 10 year younger you self something about, about business, about life, about creating this awesome company that you've made. Uh, what would your advice to you, to your 10 year younger self be? Gosh, I think I'm so much about the journey. I'm not sure that my answer would be the, the one you're looking for. I would say don't do anything differently um, because I love the place that I'm at and I love that the partner that I have and I love the business that we built and are continuing to build. Um, I, I think, you know, it's just been um, blessed, honestly. Awesome. 
Well, thank you for sharing uh, everything you've shared with our audience today. I am grateful for the interview and I have to say this, I would be remiss to not thank you uh, to your face, voice to voice, and we're, we're on Zoom here recording as well, but you're one of the most genuine, authentic, nice people that I know. I know you've got my back in anything and not in a, in a um, I don't know, a, like a namby pamby hey i've got your back if you need anything but like actually i say that word a lot actually like i know you actually have my back and Lashawn actually have my back and uh and that's a mutual feeling as well so that means a lot over the years i've gotten to know you and and Lashawn, and um just truly appreciate our friendship and relationship and, and business and beyond and, and it means a lot that you would come on the show today and teach this awesome stuff so thank you uh, Cody, I'm going to cry. That's like the third time I've heard that in the last couple of days. I'm like, wow, whatever we're doing, we need to keep doing. So I just, I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks again, Dr. Rose. Thank you. Bye guys. Hey, thanks for checking out today's episode of the Cody Builds a Business podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I, uh, as much as I enjoyed making the episode for you. As always, take a second to leave a rating or review in the iTunes store or wherever you listen to this podcast. And also make sure you grab a copy of my free book, theonehourfunnel.com slash book, and you can get yours now. Thanks for listening.